Hello, you amazing people out there, and welcome to the Amazing Action Comics Podcast, where we are all about independent comics. I am one of your hosts, Angel, with Phil Pepe. How's it going, Angel? It is another day of another week in another month <laughs> of another year, but it is all good because like clockwork, every Wednesday we get our comics. I get excited like a giddy little girl <laughs> buying a new dress. I don't know, maybe that's sexist. A uh, giddy little boy buying new shoes. Um, <laughs> but you know what? There wasn't too much this week, but there, I think there was enough to uh, to pique some people's interest. So uh, for you folks out there um, just joining us, this is uh, our weekly review of books. It's called the Indie Comic Review. We've got some short news before we get into the reviews, but for the most part, um, what we do is Phil and I look at the uh, how many how many rows is it? It's like oh, seven <laughs> rows and like a thousand columns of comics that come out every single week, and then we pick them off the wall. Number one's usually, um, and then give our two cents on it. But before we get there, you have some news, Phil. Oh yeah, not really news. It's just a recommendation, um, recommendation. for this really. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bill it as news. Uh, yeah, no, it's more of a recommendation for a really cool documentary series that is currently on the Vice Channel. Now, this documentary series is made by the Nacelle Company or Nacelle Company. Uh, Nestle. And that's a. No, not Nestle. It's oh. uh the Nacelle. It's all right. Real deep nerd nerd cut here. Gotcha. Uh, you you know the Star Trek Star Trek ship, the Enterprise. I know you don't watch much Star Trek, um, but you know the ship. Everybody no, the I ship, thought it was right? called the Millennium Falcon. The Millennium Falcon, yeah. <laughs> and which again, th does that mean there's fal actual Falcons in the Star Wars universe? That's a different thing. Because we've never so, seen them, right? We've never seen them. We, they have all manner of beasts and creatures, but we've never really seen like a dog, a cat a bird, a falcon. But Dude, I'm going to be upset all day today now. Because <laughs> they about, named about, it after a creature that doesn't even exist in that universe. In that universe. How about this? How about the the, the A-wing fighter, the B-wing fighter, the Y-wing fighter? And they you don't know, have an alphabet. That, <laughs> not that alphabet. alphabet. As AJ yet. will tell you, the Orabesh <laughs> alphabet for that they use in Star Wars, yeah, is uh, it, 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 those letters don't look like those ships. So that's another thing. To, uh, and then you get into the whole other thing about how in Empire Strikes Back, there's a Delta formation, right? When they're going after the Adats. Right. And, and, and Delta's Greek a Greek alphabet. <laughs> yes. So does that mean the, if the Greek alphabet <laughs> exists in the Star Wars universe, does that mean the Greek gods also exist in the Star Wars universe? Okay, huge. Uh, yes, so, we've gone off on the tangent get back on the, the not millennium falcon uh <laughs> yes. you know that the enterprise right mm -hmm. uh kind of looks like uh we'll just say it's like uh a, a a picnic bench that's been sort of smashed right so the table's pushed out you got the base but then you got those two like cylinders in the back they're like the thruster engines right they're called right. nacelles in star trek so uh, Brian Volk Weiss, who started the Nacelle Company, obviously he's a big fan of everything. Uh, so he's the guy who's responsible. This company's responsible for the great Netflix documentaries, the movies that made us, and the toys that made us. Yes. So great they do shows. a great, yeah, and their their documentary style is really good because it's a, it's it, it's very lively and energetic and not boring and full of information. Even if you've seen documentaries about these so topics that they they 
handle, uh, there's always new stuff that they mm -hmm. bring into the mm -hmm. table or it's just done in a refreshing way. So they have a new series called Icons Unearthed. It's on the Vice channel. They did season one, uh, which finished about a month or so ago, and it was six episodes about Star Wars from creation through to the prequels, the end of the prequels, right? So really the George Lucas era of Star, Star Wars. Uh, great documentary. I highly recommend checking that out. Their second season began last week, and it is about The Simpsons. Uh, hmm. Some of you may have heard of this cartoon show called The Simpsons. It's been on for a couple of years. Uh, a couple. So this, I think it's this relatively is, new. This is another six-episode documentary all about, you know, starting with the creation of The Simpsons. And they just, on the second episode that aired this week, they finish with uh, the... the, the the struggles making the first episode, uh, how the first episode wound up being the Christmas episode, and then the immediate response to that first aired episode and then the first season. And the reason I bring this up is is really cool because towards the end, and like about the back five minutes or so, the last segment, they're they're talking about the influence of the show in the first season, and they say, and even non-television people like comic book illustrators were also influenced and and uh, rooting for the Simpsons' success. I think is sub somehow how they word it. And there's Tom McFarlane. Right there, talking about you know how the Simpsons had an impact on him and other comic uh, artists at the time. That it sort of legitimized a lot of what they were doing, and That's you funny. know this is this is 1990, right when the when the show first season proper aired. The Christmas special was December of '89. Now this so is that, after Tracy Ullman, right? Because they started uh, yeah, because it Ullman started show. yeah. The, the the first episode covers Shorts. all that the creation of the okay. Fox Network and Tracy Ullman, and, the, and then graduates to its own show. Right, but yeah, so so this is. This is after, this is nineteen ninety, so a year uh, uh, or so before image starts to percolate. So I think it's very interesting that you know there's Todd there uh, talking about you know the the influence of the show, and then in my mind I made that connection of like oh well if you're like so if you're like oh look at these guys and the success they made breaking out on their own and doing this maybe we can do that too. So in some ways you can almost, you know, I can make the case and, 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 you know, I probably am wrong, but that the Simpsons added a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of the oil or the heat to the kernel that became image comics down the road. Uh, so I thought that was really fascinating. Todd McFarlane is, I think the current license holder for Simpsons toys. So that does make sense as well, but it also, I, I really want this show to, to really succeed and continue on because that means each season they're going to do great deep dives and interesting documentaries into the things that we love. Right. Yeah. So I would love, you know, so if they've already interviewed Todd for the Simpsons, like if I'm this guy, this Brian Volkweiss, who I, uh, for all accounts is a for forward thinking person and, and plans ahead, they got to have a spider spider-man one in the can and, and and they've probably already wrapped up the todd interviews for that or a batman one or something so yeah i really i'm really looking forward to to the show continuing so yeah check it out watch it on demand uh and you know let's let's see the show have success so they could keep covering these really cool things uh cool. That, that we love yeah you so know I what i would to... love to see i would love to see like uh, a show on like things that influenced like these 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 people that made it big. Now, mm. I don't care about, and so if we look at like uh, where Teenage Mutant Turtles came from, like uh, what is it, Peter Laird and, and Eastman, yeah. um, to see what their influences were before they created, like what kind of sparked their interest to do what they sure. did. Tom, yeah. Like Tom Father mentioning Simpsons and stuff like that. Like what, what was that one point where like he was sitting down and say it was he was watching Simpsons and he said, 
fuck the big two. I'm going to go out on my own after watching mm. fucking Bart say fucking eat my shorts. Eat my shorts. <laughs> That'd be great. I mean, there has to be a moment for everybody. And maybe it's not one particular moment. It's a, a building to a moment where you just say, fuck it, we're going to go for it. Yeah, um, yeah. It'd be interesting to see with like, like the big ones that made it or ones that have made it from out of no, what seems like out of nowhere. Um, right. what their influences were in, in that respect. I'd watch a whole fucking show on that. Yeah. Um, I mean, some, sometimes you'll get that in a documentary. About yeah, but it, but it won't be won't be targeted towards that. It'll be targeted yeah. on their success and stuff like that. But I mean, this is stuff that most people don't even care about. But seriously, like people's influences and you'll see it in their work a lot, too. So I don't know. I, 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 it'd be interesting. I mean, yeah, I'd be like, yeah, Inspirado, the, the, the series. Like, yes. Just, just have people just sit there and be like, this is what led to me making this, said, you know? 10 minute episodes on Tubi. Done. Yeah. <laughs> Done. Uh, yeah. I'm good with that. Uh, and a lot, cool. in a lot of cases, like, you know, because you made me think of, of Matt Groening creating The Simpsons, you know, The Simpsons really only exists because he had this comic strip called Life is Hell. And he was going to turn that into the series, but he didn't want to sell it because that was his thing. He was like, this is what's gonna, what I'm going to be remembered for is uh -huh. these weird deformed rabbit guys and, you know, Akbar and Jeff. And like, this is, I'm going to hold on to this. I don't want uh -huh. them to have this. Nope. And so like in the waiting room before he goes in for the pitch, he's like, what do I do? All right, I, I'll draw this family, right? Uh, Married with Children is a big deal right now on this new network. So we'll do a dysfunctional sitcom family, and I'll just base it on my own family. Because his dad was Homer, his mom was Marge. He has a Maggie and a Lisa and sisters, right? So Matt Grading, just out of desperation, wanting to hold on to this thing, was like, okay, I'm just going to create this. So that way, if it sucks or if it fails, I'm not tied to it anymore. They own it, blah, blah, blah. And then look what happened. It's <laughs> you know? crazy. No one really remembers life in hell. People yes. who don't know who Matt Groening is know the Simpsons. So, yeah. Yes, that and Futurama. Yeah. Oh, God, I love Futurama. Yeah, I do too. Um, all right, cool. Yeah, so it's on Vice. And what's the name of the show again? Uh, Icons Unearthed. All right, cool. Check it out, guys. Yeah. Check out the Star um, Wars one. Really cool stuff. Yeah, Simpsons episode uh, two aired this week. Yeah, let's give this show a long life, man. Sweet. Um, cool. And then this past weekend was New York City Comic Con. We don't yes. have much to talk about it because neither one of us attended. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's not much to talk all, all the pictures that I saw. I mean, McFarlane was there as well because you mentioned McFarlane and you know, yep. he made an announcement in regards to what's going on with the Spawn movie, yep. which we're, we're going to get in 2039, I believe. <laughs> uh, somewhere around there. But I, I really want it before I die, seriously. Because that first one I watched, it's okay. I mean, we spoke about the graphics and stuff like that. I just can't. can't. Yeah. I mean, I can't watch. Like, I can't bring myself to just put it on to watch it. But if it's right. playing on TV, I'll, I'll put it on. Yeah. Like, I'll leave it on. Um, but he did announce that uh, there are new writers attached to the Spawn movie. And I believe he's stepping down from the position of director as well. Yes. So, yeah. So, I, I, just, I just hope it gets done. But Jamie Foxx is yeah. still tied to it. So, yep. we'll see what happens with that. I would love to see them bring back uh, the, the animated series that HBO did. Yeah, right that was great. Because that, that was, was great. really good. Yeah, and if they update, I mean, the animation style was still great too. Um, but if they updated it for now and stuff like that, not not like the He Man shit, because that He Man stuff just irritated my soul. Um, I don't know. <laughs> no, what I just about do a direct it. continuation. That that show was great because it was some of the Batman animated guys. It yes. was like basically it was like yes. Batman animated. Uh, with a lot more black shading and inking and boobs. And, and yes, and curse and words. And boobs. And curse words. <laughs> it was great. No, we're not. So, yeah. So, if you attended, yeah, good for you guys. Uh, the only other thing that I want to say out of this was that, you know, there are more indie 
um, creators and indie publishers that is now starting to attend you know Comic Con even more and mm-hmm. more pronounced. So if we look at you know bad idea as much as you know they they are a bad idea, um, <laughs> they're just really great at freaking marketing. And yeah. they had all these signs that said "Stop Bad Idea," which is <laughs> their new, their it's new just, campaign. It's, it's, yeah, I know it's just reverse psychology that you learn from when you're like your parents are trying to trick you to do shit, but yet you're still going for it, and it works. So they got these signs, and they had to walk around with them for an hour in order for them <laughs> to get a new comic. And I'm just like, that's just genius because you know how do you figure out the time? They put the timestamp on the back of the fucking poster. And yeah. you have to come back at this particular time to get this comic book and stuff like that. So, yeah. It's great because it reminds me of when Dogma came out and people were protesting it. So Kevin Smith took it upon himself to go like where there were news cameras protest, you know, covering protests mm-hmm. and standing in the protests with a, with a sign <laughs> saying Dogma is dog shit. And then he would be interviewed and he didn't say, I'm, I made the movie. He's like, yeah, this movie's terrible. It's a, a laughs in the face. Really. And he's out there kind of doing his own guerrilla anti-marketing yes, uh, yes. but what's even more brilliant about bad idea is they're not out there right with you know the bad idea guys aren't out there with the signs right right they're making fans go out there yes, with the signs yes, just yes. to get something like yes. a, a comic like genius genius yeah, it's, it's cool. I, there's just something about people or 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 yeah people just being self-deprecating that drives more people towards them <laughs> uh, and so when you can just shit on yourself, yeah, it's, it's but you know what? It, it's working for them. So let, let, and, for as long as it's going to go. And make your fans shit on your company for you, right? Like, and that's yes. the thing. That, like, we hate that. Stop that idea. Give me my free bad idea comic for oh a side that says stop that idea. I love, I just love that. Yeah, that just blurs so many lines. And- Insane. <laughs> so we'll see what their stuff. So we'll definitely be reviewing their stuff when it comes out because their second round of uh, books will be coming out. I think either by the end of the year or early 2023. Um, we should be getting them soon. So, all right, cool. All right, so then that brings us right into This is episode 84. We have three books for you this week, and this is for the week of October 12th in the year of our Lord, 2022. Uh, you have two of them. I have one. So why mm-hmm. don't you start first, and I'll hit up the middle. All right, I am going to start with a new series from Boom Comics called The Approach. This is written by Jeremy Hahn and Jason A. Hurley, illustrated by Jesus Hervas and Leah Caballero, colored by Brett Weldley, lettered by Ed Dukeshire, and edited by Elizabeth Bree with assists from Gwen Waller. Nice. Cool. Uh, so, right, I'm going to stop you for two seconds. Okay. And then I don't mean to interrupt, but yeah, this bothered the hell out of me because there is no standardization in, in the comics industry. And I know you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. So whoever picks up this book, it is not issue one. It is issue <laughs> 10, according to the barcode. According to the barcode. Oh, my Be- God. I just Because I- Boom and Dynamite, <laughs> right, use a different, a slightly different barcoding <laughs> system than everybody else in the industry. It's not and different. And it's off it's, by it's one. It's off. It's just it's off. By one. Yeah. So that means oh, when you get issue 10, it's going to say 100. <laughs> but then they run out of space if they make a thousand. A thousand. I mean, yeah. I don't know what Boom or Dynamite book is going to go to a thousand, but yeah. Right. <laughs> so instead of it saying zero zero one one one, it says zero one zero one one, which in I would say the norm is issue ten. I, I'm just mentioning it because it just irritates my soul that there's no standardization, at least with the barcode. 
because at least and at least I was going to say with DC, not even with DC, because sometimes their numbers are off completely off by as the letter well, yeah. of the book as well. So for the most part, Image is the only one that really follows that, like to the T. <laughs> to the T, yes. So so just just to give everybody, like I said, so Angel and I are both retail guys, right? And, you know, I've been book bookstore retail and comic retail and uh, you know one of the things you know in in retail are your are your barcodes right because it's it's how you identify product and so to know how to read a barcode right so i know how to read a book a standard book barcode and that little trick with the five can be a dollar sign and da, 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 you know when you see that on the barcode if you can't find the price because people can't find things that are right in front of their faces but anyway uh so when when angel is receiving books every week he relies on the standardization of the barcodes in order to, to disseminate what he's looking at and how much he has and you know because variant covers are are almost a nightmare in some cases uh for, for for the comics because there's so many and so yeah when there when there's something that breaks from the standardized norm it's just it like you know it just starts frying circuits in the brain and you gotta it's like you're doing more work now just because somebody decided at these companies eh, we want to you know, slide this over there just to mess with angel santiago <laughs> yeah that's somebody somebody's out there saying that but it's it's funny because i mean even um no, I don't know if Boom does it. Boom doesn't do it. But Dynamite does it. So it'll say on the back whether it's cover A, cover B. Cover A, yeah. So you could ignore the barcode in that instance. But, and that helps. And, and IDW does the same thing too, which I love. They do it for everything. And it's funny because when IDW doesn't have a letter on it, that means there's no variance. Right. So if there's variance, it's A, cover B, cover C. But if it doesn't have any letter, there's no variance in that book. So IDW is at least consistent in that way. But yeah. then you get Boom coming in just messing with my life. <laughs> not giving me a letter and then telling me it's issue 10 when it's actually issue one. It's and this isn't, this isn't a misprint like when Florida Man number two came out. Oh my God. And on the cover it said Florida Man number one. Uh, you know, this is this is just a weird standardization thing that just, yeah, it's, it, it, well, you know okay. what? You know what? In December, we got Action Comics 1050 with 25 different. Oh covers, my so god! That's yeah. going to be great. Okay, uh, <laughs> so, uh, that was my that was my rant for the week. Off you go. And, and valid, absolutely yes. valid. So, uh, so yeah, this is called the approach. Uh, Jeremy Hahn is a uh, writer artist. Uh, you know, extensive indie credits and has also worked for the big two. So I always like his work. I always dig uh, what he brings to the table. And I really like this as a first issue. Uh, it is uh, all, you know, very much set up, but it takes place at a very small airfield uh, in, the, in, in the face of an oncoming blizzard. And one of those worst in five or six years type blizzard. And you're really following uh, your lead guy. You're following it. He's, he works for the fire department at the air, airport. Uh, and, you know, him and his partner have to clear the runways with all the snow and the ice. And, and they have a, a passenger plane coming through that they have to, sh they're off to shelter there for the night to, as the storm passes over. But this is a small airport. It's not equipped for this sort of volume of people. And so that setup is really cool. The, the, you know, the tension of the incoming storm and how do we prepare and how do we get ready uh, is really, really, really well done and 
put you in the moment with these characters and these decisions they have to make, you know, certain things where, you know, the fireman tells his, you know, his partner, he's like, look, I'm going to go take care of this. And she's like, but that's against regulations. He's like, look, this is the night where we have to throw regulations out the window because we have to, we have to deal with this stuff. Uh, And he goes, so while I go do that, he throws her these keys. He goes, you open up all the vending machines. So these people at least have something to eat. Right. (laughs) So it's like little things like that, that I think really put you in the moment. Um, and, and you feel what these characters are feeling. So I thought that was a really neat uh, setting and character moment. And then uh, in the middle of this, this storm, there, uh, there is a single engine plane that shows up. All of a sudden, the watchtower catches it on the radar. It's not scheduled. There's no flight path for it. And uh, it basically crashes on, on the approach to the runway. Um, and so they have to, you know, rescue who they can. And looks like there's two people in there. One is dead, uh, you know, on impact. The other they bring back because it looks like he's still alive. Turns out he's not. And then the mystery starts to kick in where they look at the the, the tail number, you know, the number on the, the, the tail of the, of the plane before it, it fully gets engulfed in flames. And they, they realize this plane disappeared 27 years ago. And then it gets weirder from there uh, so that this, this body they rescued again, very much in like a sci-fi horror vein is, is, you know, there's something wrong with this body. There's something going on. And it has a real sort of shocker uh, last page ending that really makes you hungry for the next issue. So uh, the approach, I again, took a nice swerve there for me Mm. at the last, uh, the last part of the book. I really thought this was going to be just more of a, a, okay, we're dealing with a storm and this is how we deal with a storm. And then you kind of get that sci-fi swerve Uh, in tone. It reminds me a lot of 30 days of night Mm. by uh, uh, Steve Niles and um, like, and I'm the artist now. Um, Great book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, just that that tension of okay, we're bearing down for this event that, that we have to experience, and then you throw something really horrific on top of that, you know. So I really dug it. I thought it was a great first issue. I am looking forward to see where this goes. Even though, yes, it does sort of follow a basic plot that we've kind of seen before, but I always like when these people take something that we know and are familiar with and then start to turn it on its head. So I think that there's going to be some nice surprises along the way on this. Uh, so yeah, a lot of promise in the first issue, really great art that, that kind of really puts you in there. Uh, reminds me a little bit of like um, a, a Tim sale meets Gene Colan style. Mm-hmm. So it really sets that mood of just these, the claustrophobic being trapped in this tiny airport terminal in the middle of a blizzard that's that's covering everything in white outside so uh yeah really like the approach from boom studios uh give it a shot i i found it very intriguing uh and 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 really pulled me in so, nice okay yeah. cool all right wrong barcode though all right so, <laughs> so i will go next so our second book of the week is called hitomi and this is also from no oh, this is from image comics uh this is created and written by hs talk uh, art by Isabella Mazzanti, uh, layouts by Nicoletta B, uh, colors by Valentina Napolitano, and letters by Rob Jones. Um, cool. So for most of you guys that have been listening to this show, you know that I hate historic pieces so much because <coughs> we already went to school. I don't need any more history. However, I am always fascinated with Japanese history and sort of like the samurai, you know, feudal era of Japan. 
Okay, so this book is right up that alley. And basically, it's it's a really simple concept. You have this young girl who's in search of the samurai. Um, and it's funny the way that she describes it. She's like, he has uh, dark skin or skin as dark as beetroot. Um, so you know that it's a black guy that she's looking for. Um, so she's looking for a black samurai. And so she's going into this town and pretty much opens up with her going into this town asking for the samurai. They don't know where he is, but they say that he can go up to the top of the mountain and ask for a monk. And the monk may know where he is. So she's having this conversation with the monk, and this is where you get the whole backstory of what she's doing, what she's doing. So basically, her family's been killed by this particular samurai, and she's in search for him. So basically, this first issue is a setup for her adventure, trying to find this guy, and I guess taking on her revenge. But it takes place in this feudal era of Japan. So I went down a deep hole because I was like, you know what? She wants to become a samurai or she wants to be trained as a samurai so that she can take him on. And then I said, you know what? Were there any female samurais? Hmm. Do you know the answer to that question? Uh, I, I would say there was probably a, a very small few exceptions. Okay, you would be like, wrong. Really? There was a whole class. So before samurais came into existence, which I think was the 12th century, there okay. were female warriors. They were called Ona Bugeisha. And that literally okay. means female warrior. Um, yeah. They were considered almost as even as their male counterparts. Trained in archery, yeah. war, martial arts. Uh, they had a special weapon, that long staff with the uh, long, long blade at the end of it. Um, because it, it allowed them for better balance because of their height and size. Yep. So, I mean, I have a hole and just start reading about all these famous, like, uh, women samurais and stuff hmm. like that. So I was like, is it even possible for her to become a samurai? So depending on the time and era um, yep. where this book takes place, then there's a possibility that it can be done. Obviously, she'd have to be taken in by a noble and then trained with whatever. But, yeah, I just fucking went down a rabbit hole. I, I hate the fucking <laughs> internet. Um, off of that. But with that being said, I did enjoy the book. There wasn't a lot in it. I mean, you got a little bit of that setup, um, and then you got a little bit of a twist at the very end that actually got me intrigued. I don't want to give it away because I think it's definitely worth the pickup and reading. The art is beautiful. It reminded me a little bit of like uh, Daniel Warren Johnson, but mm. not with a lot of his crazy lines, but sort of like that loose style. Uh, the mm -hmm. coloring, the, 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 yeah, I mean, just the layout of the panels and stuff like that. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll, I'll go through the book and not look at the, um, the word bubbles just to see all the dialogue um, and see if I can follow the story. And if I can, mm -hmm. then that's just really well drawn out art to me. Yeah. And I could do it in this particular book. So, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, the... The person who created this book, H.S. Uh, Talk, yeah, I mean, they know there, there's a little bit of, like, knowledge and history, especially the way that people talk to samurais. Um, the size that they walk on on the samurai is really important as well. And you can see that translation in, in the book. So, yeah, I, I would definitely pick this up, especially if you like, like, uh, what is it? Um, Oh, my God, why am I blanking out? Lone Wolf and Cub? Okay, stuff love, like yeah. that. Yeah, because there's art. Yeah, because there's a. Hold on a second. Let me just see if I can pull it out real quick. Because there was just something really interesting in sort of like the uh, description. So it says combining the historical sweep and the elegance of Kurosawa and the mm -hmm. visceral action of Tarantino. 
put cool. those two together and you got yourself a Tanatira freaking samurai movie. Has he made one? <laughs> He's never made one, right? Well, there there's elements in uh not a straight up samurai, but there's elements of of that love of those types of movies. And Kill Bill. In Kill Bill. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So he's already done a samurai movie. Um, <laughs> so it's all good. So yeah, so just think of <laughs> so we haven't gotten a lot of that type of action yet. We've got some, but I think that stuff is gonna be coming. The only only nitpick that I have over this book is they give you sort of like a short description when you open up the page of, you know, sometimes you'll get a recap of stories. Yeah. But because it's the number one, they're giving you information that hasn't happened yet. So I, and it has, it didn't happen in this book either. So I don't hmm. know if that's something that I, I wish I didn't read because it was setting up expectations for what I was going to get in the book. And I didn't right. get that yet. Um, so right. It's it's not a big thing, but it's just one of these things where, you know, I, I was looking for certain things and it didn't happen. It's sort of like watching a preview of a movie and you never see that fucking scene in the movie because it's right. edited out later on. Like, where the fuck is that right. scene? So, yes, that, that's my only quip for this particular book. But Hitomi, if you can get your hands on a copy and you love sort of like that Japanese samurai ghost doll kind of stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. this is this is right up your alley. Yeah, check it out. Hitomi awesome. Very Comics. good. OK, you have one more. Yeah, I got one more. And, you know, what I love about October is that we get, you know, a lot more horror. It seems like there's more horror Halloween-themed comics. Uh, so this is from Image Comics, and this is called Scotch McTiernan's Halloween Party. And right off the bat, you know, usually when you see someone's name above a title like that, you're like, that's the creator. But no, Scotch McTiernan is the main character. <laughs> and this is a follow-up to a previous one-shot uh, by the, the trio, the twisted trio of Jerry Duggan, uh, Brian Posehn, and Scott Koblish. Uh, so previously, I think back in April, right, uh, they came out with the secret history of the war on weed. And I guess that that is, I didn't read that. I passed up on this mm -hmm. and I probably should have picked it up, but I, I'm going to try to track it down now because this follow-up is Halloween themed and is so bonkers and so fun. I absolutely loved it. I do have one nitpick right at the beginning and I'm going to, and, and I'm not necessarily going to blame Jerry Duggan, who is, you know, Bergen County's own Jerry Duggan. He, uh, he grew up in this area. He bought his comic books as a kid from the Joker's child and makes a point to visit whenever he's on the East coast. Cause you know, he's a big West coast TV and comic guy now. And right from the top, I give him credit for setting the first scene in Ridgewood, New Jersey. And I thought that was great. Oh, I was like, I'm in. I'm right in. And then the barcode thing happens, Angel, because Scott, I put all the blame on Scott Koblish. He only draws like one block of Ridgewood, New Jersey. I've worked in Ridgewood, New Jersey. I've, I grew up You've around Ridgewood, block. New Jersey. This block does not exist in Ridgewood, New Jersey. <laughs> so, so I'm calling you out, Scott Koblish. And maybe I'm calling Jerry out for not sending Scott photo reference. But all is forgiven because man this book is a riot this book is a lot of fun this reminds me the most of um uh two things right so if you like minor threats uh which the second issue came out uh already on that one uh and 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 again the similarity too in the sensibility of the writing because uh minor threats is uh, pat oswalt who is a comedian and Jerry's writing partner, longtime writing partner, uh, Brian Posehn, also a, an actor and a comedian, very funny, funny guy, funny sensibility. Uh, he does, he's got some great stand up. 
and uh, he's always he's always fun to watch. And these guys, you know, they worked on Deadpool. They, uh, you know, now they have the Scotch McTiernan character, and and the Scotch McTiernan character, whole like whole cloth reminds me of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character in The Last Action Hero. And I think we've talked about this movie. This is like one of the most underrated gems out there. A movie that was so far ahead of its time uh, when it came out that people just didn't get it. Right. And the marketing of the movie didn't help either. It, it, it was marketed as just another Schwarzenegger action movie. But this is this movie was a statement on the state of action movies at the time. And it, it is one that, you know, it definitely is worth a rewatch if you, if you don't remember it from about 30 years ago now, right? Almost 30 years. That's crazy. And is that long? I, it was like 92, 93. I think it's 93. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, that was a point in my life where I was ashamed that I liked that movie. That movie was fucking right? fantastic. Right? It's fantastic. Right. It, and it's 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 just so weird and twisted and wacky as far as how it presents itself, you know, within the movie. And you know, one of the things about the movie is that the the the, the Schwarzenegger character uh can can hop out of movie world into real world. Mm -hmm. And this happens in this as well because so the setup is that there's a Halloween party uh, with all all the monsters, right? All the monsters that exist. And now, of course, a lot of these monsters are copyrighted. You can't use these monsters. So, mm. so Scott Koblish does a great job of drawing analogs to, to famous monsters, right? There's not actually Nosferatu, but there's a guy that evokes Nosferatu. There mm. is a mummy, but it's not the Universal Monsters mummy or the, the, the Brandon Fraser movie mummy, right? There's uh, there's they don't have pinhead they have a guy who has fish hooks in his head right but it's pinhead <laughs> so it's like it's like that kind of stuff you see in comics all the time when they want to you know they can't use somebody else's character but they slightly change them and you're like oh i know who that's supposed to be you're not pulling anything over on me mm. so this is the, you know but it's all done in fun so this is like that type of book and the monsters are having this halloween party and in comes, you know, muscle-bound action guy, Scotch McTiernan, bursting the door, heads up, you effing weirdos, you know? And they're like, oh, no, he's here to fight us monsters. And, and he goes, no, no, I was invited, and I brought my my my, my special treat of, of deviled eggs, right? Uh, and he's like, it's got the secret ingredient. And apparently this, this Scotch McDaniel uh, is a big weed proponent because the secret ingredient in the deviled eggs is weed. And, um, and, I, and so that's kind of funny. So it's like a, 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 a action hero who gets high. Oh and this, this reminds, there was an old underground comic in like the seventies. I think it was called trash man. And one of the things that grabbed me when I read this is, a, is a, you know, way too young, impressionable preteen was before trash man would go. So there's a hostage thing happening in a building. Trash man rides up on his motorcycle, like very punisher esque. Right. Um, and he's like, all right, I'm going to go in and save these people. But before I do that, boom, you know, he lights a joint, right? <laughs> and then he goes in and just starts blasting people away. And so Scotch McTiernan, I think, evokes a lot of that as well uh, for, for me. And so basically the, the monsters are really upset because things aren't scary anymore. Everyone's desensitized with endless reboots and remakes and things mm. like that. And they want Scotch to save Halloween again. 
and because he had done it in the past and there's a flashback to the past where it's uh it's essentially it's freddy versus jason that that movie mm -hmm. and this is the movie that scotch actually jumps into because back then again there was like people weren't scared anymore and they need to be scared again and he just he destroys those two characters and then hops out of the movie back into the real world and mm -hmm. everyone is in love with halloween again you know and that was like 27 years ago and they're like we need you to do it again and so the situation, so you get another flashback to another situation uh, where he had to deal with an alien invasion. And so <laughs> what this does is this takes the movie E.T., but treats it as if the alien is, you know, as if the Q.E.T. alien in Scott's mind, he's an alien that needs to be destroyed. And oh so he's the bad guys hunting E.T. And how um, so it really does a sort of because it's set up like Predator. Mm. This team of mercenaries have to go in and catch this alien and they're all <laughs> muscle bound, gun wielding. Alien. And then it's this E.T. or, uh, you know, mercenaries and it's this E.T. that they have to hunt and capture. And so even so that second flashback is a riot and just just twists all of those things on its head. So it's really funny, really irreverent. And if you're worried like well you know so this scotch mctiernan guy you know halfway through the book and you're like he's at this monster party we know is this guy gonna fight these monsters or is he is he really their friend oh don't worry there's lots of monster fighting that happens in the mm -hmm. second half of this book so the way the situation plays out is that yeah he is he now has to save himself by 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 destroying all of his monster friends uh, who are being controlled man again this book is a riot i really enjoyed it it, it it really has a nice, weird, twisted sensibility, but there's a lot of love for what it's making fun of, mm. so, you know, just like Minor Threats. So I really, uh, yeah, I, if you like that Minor Threats book, uh, if you're just looking for a really wacky one shot that that has like a cool Halloween vibe and you really want some some satire, that's going to make you laugh, you know, and, and, and while you're reading it, because that's that's no mean feat. It's very hard, I think, to make a reader laugh while reading a comic. Right, right. Because there's no there's no laugh track. There's no prompt. Correct. There's no intonation in how you know, you're know you not hearing someone deliver something. But this did it, man. This this I was really enjoying reading this giggling on the ca on, on, on my chair while, you know, my wife. <laughs> sleeping on the couch and she's like what's going on i'm like this comic is great so yeah uh scotch halloween party from image uh again i didn't do the whole credit so i'm going to just give the credits here uh written by jerry duggan and brian posein uh illustrated by scott Coblish, uh, colored by hi-fi lettered by joe savino and there is no editor and there is even a gag in the book about how there is not an editor. So another really cool old school comic reference, you know, when the editor would chime in in the caption mm -hmm, box mm -hmm, with like mm -hmm. the asterisk, they, that happens. And then they are like, wait, why is there an editor chiming in? There's no editor on this book. you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So just, again, you love horror movies, you love comics, uh, you love, et uh this will just this will rock your world this is so much fun this uh scotch mctiernan's halloween party from image sweet all right yeah. well there you have it guys three books to choose from i mean it was an enjoyable read this week so that, that's always good uh there's sometimes uh, we get those weeks where we're just like cringing it's like oh what are we gonna do but it's all good uh all right we're coming to the very end if you like what you hear guys make sure you subscribe to the podcast um, we'd love to have you back every single week because we will be here every single week unless one of us dies 
And even then, if there's still one of us, we'll still come on. Uh, yeah, I will. You... <laughs> I will rise from the grave if there's a podcast. Yeah, well, only in October. <laughs> uh, if you are a creator, have something you want to promote, or if you want to send us something so that we can review it, um, yeah, just you want to be part of the podcast, just go to amazingactioncomics.com/slash/podcast, fill out the form. We'd love to have you on, and or talk about your book. Uh, stay up to date on everything Amazing Action Comics as we have stuff that's coming out relatively soon. I know I say that every single week, but the comic world is so slow. Um, but yes, there's there's stuff coming down the pipe, and we're really excited about that. Uh, be sure to visit your local comic book shop and support them um, so that they're around forever so that you can always get your comics. Phil, where do you get your comics from? Well, I get my comics at The Joker's Child in Fairlaw, New Jersey. Just a stone's throw from Ridgewood, New Jersey. Uh, the Joker's Child has all these great books, and a lot of these books will sell out. So uh, that book, Hell is a Squared Circle, from a few weeks ago, that Aftershock one-shot. Uh, I love that book, and I, I was able, I, we wound up selling that book out because I was just recommending it to, to anybody that I thought would be interested in it. And now we have reorders. We have more copies in for you to come and pick up. So if there's a new book like you know that that has come out in the last couple months and and we've sold out on it you know make sure to ask len and karen to to reorder it for you we get the reorders in pretty fast and uh that way you get to enjoy uh, and experience a lot of these books that unfortunately by the time i think you get to listen to this podcast they might have already sold out because they're that good but the joker's child has so much more too so come on down Get your comics where Jerry Duggan got his comics as a kid. And who knows, maybe someday you could become a big comic book and TV guy living out uh, in Beverly Hills uh, by your pool. Nice juxtaposition there. That was <laughs> great. All right, there, Jerry. If you're listening to this podcast, which I highly doubt because you're probably writing comics right now. We love big to time see comic and Hollywood, Hollywood yes. guy. <laughs> um, all right. Well, there you have it, guys. So, yeah, visit your local comic shop. If you're ever in the neighborhood, come by. Say hi. And until next time, kitties, please be amazing, stay amazing, and read something amazing. <laughs> <laughs>